Hello, my name is Tucker Johnson, and I am your host today as we experience NIMSY Live, where we talk about the latest and greatest in translation, localization, internationalization, culturalization, and all that fun stuff global companies need to delight their international customers, or at least not to piss them off too much. On this program, we invite guests who like to have fun and have some value to add for our audience of globalization professionals. I'm always eager to provide a platform to those with a good story or a good data set. So let us know if there are any topics or any guests we should reach out to for future episodes. If you haven't already done so, make sure that you're following Nimsy Insights on LinkedIn. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel where we back up and archive all of these episodes. We have over 100 episodes of Nimsy Live now, as well as a bunch of other good workshops and free resources available for anybody in the localization industry. Before we get started here today, I wanted to do a quick plug for those of you as we're going into the winter season. You might be interested in understanding what kind of events are available in the industry out there. And we have at Nimsy, nimsy.com forward slash events, the localization industry events calendar. This is a great calendar to plan your travel, uh, to plan which online events that you're going to. If you are an event organizer, I encourage you to go over there and add your events to the calendar. You, anyone can add their events. As you can see, you can also keep up on the latest episodes of Nimsy Live. The next one will be tomorrow, where we're talking about Bridge the Gap, AI to Enhance Translation Workflows with Joe and Helena. So, without further ado, we'll get right into it today about today's topic. Today is for the TMS and TBMS geeks. We are joined by some experts who will share their insights and experiences on the decision-making process behind developing a Translation Business Management Solution, or TBMS. We are going to be diving deep into the intricacies of developing a TBMS, looking at valuable lessons and practical advice to anyone interested in improving translation management processes. Our guests today have firsthand experience in this area to share. To kick us off, Anna, Anna Boistenu. I, I should have asked you how to pronounce that before. Anna Boistenu, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with that, um, is currently the Chief Strategy Officer at Mondia Technologies with over a decade of experience in the trans localization industry. She has been part of each phase of the company's growth journey from startup to maturity. She holds an MBA from Imperial College Business School. Uh, next on our lineup here, we have Samara Hickman with a career spanning 15 years in the language services industry, running high profile contracts across both translation and interpreting. Samara, uh, Samara is a seasoned operations management professional. In her role as chief operations officer for the Mondia Group, she brings with her a deft eye for operational planning and performance and an unmatched knowledge of the language services industry. Next, we have Radoslav. Radek Fink is a product manager for Tribuno TBMS, a linguist and a localization technology aficionado. He anal analyzes the business needs and helps establish the roadmap for the system development. Outside work, he dabbles in woodworking, gaming, reading, fantasy, and sci-fi books. Welcome, everybody. I hope I, I got your intros all right. Anything that I left out? I feel bad I didn't list anything personal in there now. Radic's showing us all up. Yeah, I, I, I kind of want to just turn this into a woodworking podcast, actually. But <laughs> I'll, I'll resist that urge. You know what I left out is, and I'll let uh, I'll turn this over to you. Tell us a little bit about Mondia, about Traduno. Um, what, what's the landscape there? Well, I think Anna, Anna might be best placed to uh, answer that one. Yeah, so um, Monday is a, is a group of companies uh, at the moment, like two translation companies and uh, one TBMS, Traduno. So we've been doing translations for over a de decade right now. Uh, we started back in 2007 locally and then expanded internationally. And um, we continue to do that. We focus on delivering um, uh, content in different languages to enterprise clients uh, worldwide. And Traduno, um, so it started after a few years after we started the translation business. And uh, we started it because there, there was a necessity uh, back then. We will probably get to the point when we will talk more why we decided to do it. 
Um, but at this point, so yeah, it's a group of two translation companies and one TBMS. And the TMS, is, the TBMS is specifically what we're looking to talk about today. Um, and you mentioned it. I'll, I'll go right into it here. Why develop a TBMS? Well, first of all, what is a TBMS? What is the difference? Radic, I saw that you had uh, answered a question in the FAQ, the FAQ on the webpage. What is the difference between a TMS and a TBMS? So maybe I'll turn that over to you. So a TBMS is an expansion on the idea of a dedicated system for managing translations, which is a TMS. A TBMS is a little bit more. Uh, so it has uh, all the modules or all the necessary tools to allow LSPs, translation agencies, groups of translators uh, manage their translation business. So there is, uh, there can be a financial aspect to it, uh, vendor management, client management, uh, and of course the TMS functionalities like tracking the work, assigning, um, and the quality. So a TBMS is a broader concept than just a TMS. So basically you're hitting, you're, you have, I, I'd say like in the evolution of complexity of tools, you've got CAT tools, which are managing the translation, you've got TMS, which is managing the management of the translation, and then you've got TBMS, which is managing even more from a project workflow management, um, finance management, all of that stuff. So, it's more comprehensive. Sure. Uh, all in one. So, how long has the? So, when did you guys decide to start um, developing this TBMS, and why? Would I say because there's plenty of tools on the market out there and all of them are equally imperfect, right? I, I like to say that there's there's no such thing as the best technology. It's the best technology for each individual situation. Um, what were some of the factors that drove you and your team to start developing your own? Yeah, so I can, I can answer here. Basically, initially we were um, using something, a sort of a Excel file to track our projects. And at some point, the Excel wasn't enough because it was already too heavy. There were too many projects. And um, we understood that we need a more efficient way to actually track and um, track everything we are doing. And we analyzed the market back then, but that was like 2013, if I remember correctly, when we started to, to look around. And back then, um, the solutions, the existing solutions were either too heavy, too complex for us, because we were a small company, or too expensive. There were some solutions, but they were extremely expensive for a small LSP back then. So we decided, okay, let's just uh, develop a sort of a, in, an enhanced Excel file. Because initially it wasn't like a platform. It was a, 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 better, a better Excel, let's put it like this. Um, and it worked. And in time, we just started to, to work more and more on it and add features and it's eventually became um, a platform, a, compli uh, a complicated, but and yet a, an easy to use tool for a translation company. So it started out, it sounds like, as a tool to solve an internal challenge that you were having, Absolutely. right? And now is it still, I, I imagine it's still used as an internal tool for you, but how, how can other people take advantage of it if they want to use it? Do they have to work with you or is it, do you provide it separately as a standalone system? So recently we launched it um, as a separate product. I'm talking about Traduno or um, TBMS. Uh, so finally, after those years of Agencies, other LSPs can also make use of it. Uh, so, as a, as every live software is constantly changing, it's improving in iterations. Uh, 
So uh, at this moment, we feel that Trujano uh, is uh, ready to, to serve also in other companies than just um, Mondia. And when you say other companies, who who uses a TBMS? Are TBMSs specifically used just for LSPs, or are there client-side implementations that would make sense? So uh, it depends. Uh, our target is mostly smaller and mid-sized LSPs, but uh, it doesn't. Uh, our system will also work very well for and clients who can have a localization department within. Uh, and it's used the same way to manage the translations, invoicing vendors and, and so on. Um, what I would like to mention here is, is that um, the solutions or the sets of tools we came up with, or we've developed, are uh, generic enough to serve in the space of a small to mid-sized LSP without a problem. Uh, not necessarily uh, having like big enterprise companies in, in mind. Uh, I mean, I mean LSP companies. Well, it's flexible, right? Anytime you're building a technology for this industry, you got to make sure that it's flexible because as I was mentioning earlier, no two programs are the same. So there's always going to be different needs associated with that there. Um, I think that's the, that's the huge challenge of, of building a TBMS as well, is that it needs to be simple enough that you can cover most workflows, but have the ability to add some complexity because we know that every workflow for every project for every client mm -hmm. can be different. And it's, it's trying to encompass that. And that's the real challenge I think that we've seen in, in kind of building this system is balancing the simple with the complex and balancing also the internal needs of the business with what we think external users would like to see. And you mentioned, thank you, Samara, uh, you mentioned challenges and you've been working on this for a while, right? What would you say is getting started? What were some of the major challenges that you had to overcome? Um, as a language company looking to build a technology to manage your own problems first and then opening it up for more use cases? Well, I think it's, it's understanding or deciding at which point you make that transition. So obviously uh, as Anna, Anna described, this started out, the journey started out very much as we've got an internal problem. How can we solve that? We had a very small, I think at one person, it was a, a one-man band development team yep. who was working on creating this idea. And as that sort of grown, there was a lot of, a uh, few years where only internal expectations were looked at. I think there was definitely times where um, it was a case of an operation, the operations team said, I need this, and that's what happened. Um, and then as, a, as the product grew and became kind of something that, was working as an internal product and people started to see the value of that it's at that point that the business looked at that and said hang on this is something that could benefit other lsps and and how do we transform what we've got already into something that's a marketable product and something that would work across the board and not just for us specifically and then and then it gets into that challenge of obviously as an internal operations person I'll, I'll be asking Radek for loads of things that would benefit my team but he's having to balance that with you know from Anna from the strategy side today actually no I think we need to do this because that's what makes it better a better product as an external product and that's where I think the definitely the last I would say 12 months have been uh, you know quite challenging because it's that it is that balance and sort of internal struggle to an extent and, and how do you prioritize those competing um, competing requirements, I would say? So you got requirements coming from your internal teams, dev, things to put on the roadmap. I guess, how do you prioritize the development roadmap for the products? That's, um, that's one of the biggest challenge of, you know, of uh, managing a product in, in general. Uh, it's, it's also the answer. It's also quite, quite tough. Uh, because you need to balance, you know, uh, 
the team's capacity, the developer's team's capacity, the urgency of the request, the impact of the request. Uh, some requests are just simply you know, rejected and uh, for, a, for a good reason. Uh, the most important part is having a vision, having an overarching strategy for building a product. And uh, I've seen lots of companies or lots of even smaller you know, agencies trying to automate some, some stuff. Like as we started 10 years ago with doing some Excel magic with VBA macros with some scripts and then everything files together and you end up with a system or uh, which is basically uh, comprised of, uh, of useful utilities yeah. instead of following, uh, you know, th that's what happens when you build something without, without uh, a plan, a good strategy. Yeah. yeah it's just, plan. you have like, you, it starts with like a macro yeah. and, and then another and then team develops another macro. And then before you know it, you've got like all of these different automations and it's like, how do we, yeah. put a wrapper yeah. around this a, and it's a good you know like a swiss knife solution sometimes it works very well for for the one company it's a it's a tailor-made tool for them right uh, but then you decide you want to go to the market with it it seems it looks like uh okay other companies don't work like us yeah what do we need to do to put it on the market and to sell it to make make it marketable well and, and i've seen this with other lsps that build their own technology um in in-house workflow technology tms whatever it might be right and typically what i've observed is that when lsps develop their own technology typically just making a generalization here a lot of times they're getting requirements from all of the different teams internally. And some of those requirements are going to get prioritized over others. And the ones that get prioritized are typically the requirements coming from the biggest clients. Because if I have a client sending me $10 million worth of work every year, I'm going to prioritize that account's needs over the needs of the one sending me $10,000 worth of work over the year. And it can be really dangerous to and fall into this trap where you end up with a tool that's really useful to one scenario, but not very useful to other scenarios, right? Conversely, you can have, you can have the requirements um, prioritized such that you have a tool that's useful to a lot of different scenarios, but not really useful. You know what I'm saying? So it's like that specialization. What is the trade-off on that, right? And it's just a challenge, I think, that anyone in this language industry has when they're developing technology. It is, and there is no like good answer uh, no. to, to that question. Right, you need to follow. Uh, at the end of the day, it's a business, and you need to follow the money. So, if it makes sense to to build something bespoke uh, for financial reasons, you probably do it if there is you know, good incentive behind that. Yeah. Typically, typically, once again, generalizing here, but typically, I discourage LSPs from investing a ton of money into building their own systems because there are so many good systems out there on the market, you know, this isn't 2020, 2002 anymore, right? There are hundreds of language technology platforms available on the market from third parties out there. And some of them, you said you guys got started like 2012, right? Um, some of them these days are pretty reasonably priced, you know, cause you have different niches. Um, you still got the really expensive ones, but you got some other ones that are reasonably priced out there. So typically I, I discourage people from going that route of building their own technology. But I'm interested in your folks' input. You started developing this a long time ago because there was a need for you personally that wasn't being satisfied by the market. Today, in 2023, in 2024, would you have made that same decision with all of the available options out there on the market, with all of the ways technology is changing, with the way that the landscape is changing, would you still have decided, would you still decide today to go build your own thing? Or do you think that you got in just at the right time? 
I think we got in at the right time. I think knowing the product that we have, if I if I could look into the future and know that's what we would end up with, then I would still say we would do it. But I totally agree with you in terms of it discouraging other LSPs to go down that same road because it has been a long journey and particularly that point where we we had a product that we thought was good that going from there to making it a marketable product and balancing all the internal struggles that's the real challenge and that's where I think it you know a lot of other LSPs would come unstuck in in doing this piece of work so I think now, if I was looking at it, I would be looking what else is on the market. Is there something that's affordable? Is there something that does what we need to do? Um, but also, if I could look into the future and say this is what we'll end up with, I'd probably still do it. Um, if I can, if I can add here, Samara. So basically, mm -hmm, probably I would say yes, do it only if you have a team of developers you have like at least two years to allocate to, to the project and you have a budget, but you are ready to double because it will probably cost more than you plan. So let's True. put it like that. And that's why I typically discourage people from doing this because it always ends up costing more and then, than yeah. what people think that it's going to yeah, cost. Yeah, and you know, nowadays technology is moving so quickly it's very hard to keep up with the latest you know demands and i know i've seen from past experience in in-house tmss that you've ended up in a situation where the teams are using one two three different systems because the dev team haven't been able to keep up with how quickly things are changing yeah yeah well and there's <clears throat> excuse me there's still uh, technology is moving fast there are a lot of available options out there on the market there are still a lot of localization pms using Excel tracking sheets, though. Oh, yeah. You mentioned that everything used to be tracked in Excel. And this is my personal experience is that I've worked with some really good systems, some really good technology, custom and third party. And I still love my Excel tracking sheets. Right? Don't we, Don't we all? Exactly. <laughs> and so there's always there's always room for improvements on that front, I think. Yeah, oh. I, I mean, you know, I, I come from a project management background. I love a spreadsheet. Oh, yeah. I absolutely do. But I have to say, one of the things I was very impressed with when I joined Monday was kind of the the way that everything is laid out in Traduno. The project managers can easily see what projects they've got in progress, what's happening with that project. All of the communication is is retained within the project, whether it's from, you know, a client, from a linguist, in between. The, the project managers we have um, shift patterns so we, we follow the sun yeah. um so the project manager can see what's happened before what needs to happen um so you know as much as i love a spreadsheet some of that information just isn't captured as well there as it is kind of in this system um so i think that's that's a huge benefit that we've seen internally from making a product that we want to market externally on the other hand, uh, I, I always say that you cannot get rid of Excel spreadsheets or trackers entirely. Thank you for right? saying that. Uh, I wanted to say that, but I wasn't brave enough to say it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, didn't uh, want to be the guy that said it. But I, I, now that you've been the brave person and said it out loud, I, I will mind. say I, I agree. Mind. I agree. There's There will always be a need for a good tracking sheet. That's, that's true. And why? Because it doesn't always make sense to put everything for tracking in a system. Sometimes you just need to track, you know, some smaller internal yeah. uh, stuff, uh, which doesn't make any sense to put in the, in, the, in the system because it costs more money than just, you know, whipping up a Excel spreadsheet and, and getting it done in five minutes. Um, however, however, if, if it turn, turns out that it's a, you know, repetitive task, uh, you right. do it all the time and you lose a lot of time on it, then sure, why not? Yeah. Well, and you mentioned, I think Samara mentioned, like technology is changing so quickly nowadays. What I've noticed talking to folks in the industry, and I talk to a lot of folks in the industry um, here at NIMSI, is that with, and I'm going to be that guy that brings up AI, I'm sorry, but with the hype 
around generative AI that's coming out and large language models and all of the advancements that are happening, which truly is the advancements are happening at an exponential rate. So like the rate of change and improvement is just insane with that. But I'm less interested for the purposes of this conversation. I'd be less interested in the actual capabilities and technology and more interested in how the market is responding to it. And what I've noticed is kind of a hesitation to invest in technology this year in 2023 because people want people want to be using AI or at the very minimum, they want to be using an AI-enabled tool. They want to be making sure that they're not missing the AI train, so to speak. So they're very hesitant about going through that investment, not just monetary investment, but the time-consuming investment of deployment for a tool that they're they're not sure about. Because in 2024, there might be a brand new tool that does all of your translations for free and makes an excellent cappuccino for you every morning. Like, you just don't know, right? Have you guys seen that out there when you're talking to clients, potential customers, partners? Um, how is the AI hype that's going on right now affecting your development roadmap and the decisions that you're making. So uh, for now, uh, I think we are in the in the second group uh, that that you mentioned. So uh, definitely, we are not in the place that we will be the early adopters of the technology. We'd rather wait a bit and, and see. Uh, how we can leverage what's already out there in the market, uh, especially that developing for AI takes a special kind of uh, expertise and takes additional resources. So we'd rather uh, focus on delivering a great product, which does exactly what it's supposed to do, uh, than investing in our R&D uh, uh, you know, to, to develop our own AI. Uh, we leave that to the to the big players. Yeah, uh, I guess makes sense. To make that investment. Yeah, uh, yeah. that definitely makes sense. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. It's a challenging topic. I think there's a lot of conversations being had about AI. I mean, shoot, I just I'm guilty. I just had one yesterday with four panelists on a live stream. Right, we were talking about AI and how it's going to change the world and how it's not going to change the world. But there's just so much that we don't know yet. Right. Yeah, I think there's just so much information out there at the moment and so many different ideas and, it, and it's amazing, but kind of terrifying at the same time. So right. I think that's why, you know, Radic saying part of our strategy at the moment is kind of watching, learning, reading, researching and seeing kind of a little bit what's going to happen before we make any investment in our TBMS with relation to AI. I, kind of I think that's probably prudent. Anna, you want to jump in? Yeah, um, I think here about AI is the same as, as we were talking before. Um, the fact that we would like to avoid to develop something that nobody needs. And especially with AI having all this hype, you, you don't really know what exactly will work out. And you can already see that some of the technology that initially we, 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 we thought that it will change the industry completely. And now you see that it doesn't act, change it as much as we thought. So um, in order to avoid getting to a point when we develop something or invested in something that is not used, then I think it, this is the time to reflect, to observe what's happening and then make an educated decision if you want. Yeah. My... So it, it all sorry. no, please, Radek. Uh, it all boils down to uh, observing how it behaves. What are the right applications for AI? It's, uh, it doesn't make much sense for uh, you know a mid-sized LSP to implement AI just to have it, right? Just to do anything with it. Uh, there will be or there are uh, certain areas of AI where it excels. And there are some areas which it still it's still better to do it the uh, how we do it currently. Yeah, and I think that's what we're trying to figure out right now, because um, there are there are folks out there that are in, implementing it just to have it, right? And hey, that's a strategy. 
you know, it's a marketing strategy. I would, I would say it's a marketing strategy. It's not a product development strategy. Right. And let's be clear on, on the difference between those. But if you, if you look into it, you will see that, you know, some of the apps uh, are all based on ChatGPT or some other big player in the AI industry. They are like using their APIs and adding not much value actually from, from their side. Uh, just repackaging uh, what's already out there. Yeah, you said it, not me. But but let's go <laughs> the um, adding value. Let's go back to to your your customers here, the the folks that have adopted your TBMS essentially. Um, what are the main for someone that's looking to adopt a TBMS? What are the main challenges that they're facing that a tool like yours helps them overcome? So that's most, most, mostly uh, the complexity of uh, tracking a, a project, of creating projects, quoting it, uh, most of all, uh, which in, um, in cases of our tar target group uh, is the, the biggest time, uh, time waster. Maybe not waster, but uh, they spend the most time on and trying to figure out how to quote a project, how to how to move it through the stages, and uh, how to make sure that all the communication regarding that project is uh, in one place. So many PMSs that I saw, you know, allow that uh, they allow tracking the project and you know, assigning and, and so on. Still, the communication about the project happens through email. Yeah. Uh, it's not. It's not the case in in our situation. Uh, we are centralizing the communication in the system, uh, so it doesn't matter whether you use email or the messaging in the system. It all lands under the relevant uh, project or piece of communication or item. Yeah, e email is one of those. It, it's like Excel sheets, right? It, we're uh, never going to be fully free of email, and I'm very skeptical. Um, when I hear a sales pitch that says, we're going to eliminate the need for email. Uh, no, you're not. There, there's always going to be need for email, um, but it should be used as the exception, not the rule. And <clears throat> I've worked on projects before where, I mean, as a project manager, Samara, you said you come from a PM background. You know it, right? As a project manager, I get one handoff for 50 languages. And if I need to contact a translator and a reviewer for each, maybe a QA person, I'm sending a hundred emails just for that project before quitting time today. And, you know, I was very efficient at that. <laughs> there's, there's ways to send batch emails and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, you're, you're, that's a lot to go through and it's easy to introduce human error essentially. And while automation and management systems like TBMS brings into play is you're still going to be sending emails, but it's going to be for the exceptions not the rules, right? It's going to be like, oh, this person's not accepting the job. Um, so I might need to follow up with them via email or I might need to, oh, God forbid, give them a call on the phone even, right? Um, so it's exception management, essentially. That's it, exactly. It's all about managing by exception. So um, like Radic said, all of the communication is maintained within one place. Um, I think there's the solution or well, the problem that we're solving is having so many different places to find information or working between lots of different systems. So what uh, what Traduno does is kind of brings that all under one umbrella. So we've got kind of the project management portal, we've got the client portal, we've got the vendor portal, and then we've got kind of a finance area as well. So, you know, we're able to communicate with our, our linguists or our suppliers through that portal with the clients as well. Um, we're able to see, have our clients been paying their invoices? Are there any concerns? Do we need to think about blocking an account because we're not getting payment from in, from overdue invoices, which typically from from my past is something that's been hidden. It's been, you've not been able to see that because the finance system's been yes. overhidden. Managed in a completely different system by a completely different exactly. person. Exactly. So, you know, we've got everything there under one umbrella. And, and like I said before, the real beauty is just this, this lack, this line of communication. So even as a, you know, chief operations officer, if I have a question about projects, I can go in and I can easily see from the, the, of the messages, 
what's happened between our project manager and a supplier, what's happened between the client and the salesperson and the project manager. And I'm not having to go digging around into lots of inboxes or asking four or five different people to tell me their version of the events. It's all trackable. Um, and the same kind of like the issue management, it, that's all in the same system as well. So you can track your project against an issue and it's just bringing everything under one roof, essentially. That makes life so much easier um, when you're kind of trying to manage multiple projects in one go. Yeah. And, and essentially what you're saying, and one of the points that you're making is there's an audit trail. Like yeah. you as the COO, it's because this is a very real situation. Let's say a project manager calls in sick. Mm-hmm. Well, you as happens a CEO, see, it happens all the time. People get sick, right? And the, people got sick quite frequently in the last few years during a period we shall not name. But it allows you to go in and assess what are the what's the state of my PM's project and assign it to somebody else or keep it going or whatever. And I think this is one of the best reasons to use a centralized system or a standardized system. And that standardized system might be a TBMS or it might be a really good Excel tracking sheet. Um, I'd prefer a TBMS though, right? Because it makes, and I hate saying this because as a project manager, I hate this, but it makes project managers fungible. It makes them able to be switched out, right? So it eliminates the need for rockstar PMs. And I hate saying that because I know there are a lot of rockstar PMs that don't get as much credit as as they should. But you don't need to have a team of just killer rockstar PMs managing each project because there's a standardized system and you can train people on it. If that makes sense. That's it. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, the rockstar PMs of the world are fantastic, but even they need a holiday sometimes, uh-huh. and other people need to be able to see what's happened and be able to carry that project on. And like I say, if you're an LSP that has shift patterns, you're covering a twenty-four-seven model. You've got that ability. Um, something that I found in the past really complicated, being able to hand over from one shift to another, make sure the information's been captured it's all in there so it's you know like you say exactly it's an audit trail we can see what's happening um, we can manage our projects we can red flag if something looks like it's going wrong and we can pick it up and we can deal with it quickly and efficiently so that our clients don't feel the impact uh, you know, at the end um, and that's the same for any other SP that would want to work with this kind of system um i wanted to ask you all and I'm guessing this is either an Anna or a Roddick question. I wanted to ask you about integrations. Um, we're talking about moving from standardization to flexibility here. There's a lot of different tools that, that folks are using out there in the industry. So they already have their technology ecosystem. How does Tredrino, or how did you make a decision on how you want to integrate with other people's systems? Because originally it was developed to integrate with your system, which is very specific, but not everyone's using the same cat tools as you. So not everyone's using the same accounting software as you, stuff like that. And I, I see on your website that it, out of the box, like it's, it's basically built for integration with phrase, but is able to integrate with other things as well. Um, so I guess my questions are open-ended question, but why did you choose phrase first of all as your primary integration and i know because i've worked with tools before that we prioritized phrase as well but tell us a little bit about that thought process and then tell us about the process of how to integrate with other tools for folks that perhaps aren't using phrase or have to use multiple a lot of lsps have to use multiple tms systems because their clients use multiple tms systems so let me let me just start um, about the integration part, and maybe Anna later can can say a few words uh, how it all started with, with Brace because it, it was well before my time in um, in Montia. So uh, about integrations, uh, we like to say that Arduino is cut to agnostic. It means that you are enabled to run a project through Traduno from the beginning to the end, uh, 
with even not specifying a cut tool and it doesn't make any difference for uh, for the system itself for tracking the said project um, <clears throat> so it is integrated with phrase for our internal use right now and any Traduno client or any Traduno user um, who licenses Traduno uh, can use their own instance of phrase and uh, there is additional benefits because of that but to account for a very common scenario for an LSP that you get work from other LSPs or you get work from a client who's using a different tool than you do Traduno is also able to account for this uh, situation so you create a project and you run it and the actual um, translation or actual processing happens in the client's tool but still the data about the project the work count analysis who took up the the, um, the task uh, the deadlines are still tracked within traduno when it comes to integration with other cut tools uh, we are putting our roadmap um, like with having this in mind that uh, Traduno, by, Traduno clients uh, would like to see it integrated a little bit more with uh, some more um, um, most common cattles on the market. Uh, right now we are in the research process of uh, deciding which one should be, should be next. How to prioritize, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, if we are to talk about why phrase, so um, in the beginning, we, as many other LSPs, we were using several CAD tools. So uh, we were like alternating from one CAD tool to other, depending on the project. But there, there was a moment when we understood that we need to, in order to optimize the processes and to make them more efficient, we need to stick to one primary CAD tool and um, adjust our processes based on that and then use other CAD tools only for, for specific clients that ask for, ask for those. Right. And we analyzed the, the market. We stopped at phrase uh, back then because it was, again, easy to use. It was a cloud, uh, op it was a cloud uh, solution. Plus, um, it was cost efficient in terms of the number of licenses we were getting from them, both for project managers and for linguists, because there was this that you you want to track the, the work and um, how it how the projects are evolving. And we stopped at phrase. That was like I think six or seven years ago when we stopped at phrase. And when we had to to integrate Traduno with the CAD tool was the obvious choice because that was our primary tool that we were we were using in-house so that's how we we ended up with with phrase yes yeah makes a lot of sense i wanted to go to the, the comments here because someone left a comment oh who is it i have it on my linkedin sometimes it just says linkedin user melissa mayer says do you lose your human elements or relationships with the automated communication going back towards the conversation we were having about eliminating email and putting all of the communication into a portal and i love this question because and i, I know what you're getting at here yes you do and does that no we don't oh, okay no. <laughs> uh, okay all right we have a controversy here Tell me, Radek. So in our case, you can have the cake and eat it. Okay. Uh, kind of. I mean, yes, that's, what, that's, what, that's what's, happen what's happening. So um, we understand, looking at our clients, we understand some of them prefer writing emails. Same with our linguists. Uh, so Traduno actually embraces that. Uh, from the system's perspective, it looks like it's an instant messaging chat, uh, but the system sends and receives emails as if they were regular emails, and it can put it back, uh, put it into the system um, in the in a form of a, of a chat message, mm. like instant messaging. Uh, so with this. You don't lose the human contact, and I heard a lot of PMs uh, worried about that. So we are differentiating between notifications from the system 
okay. where something happens, something scheduled happens, like a new job is available to you versus a PM being worried about, you know, uh, uh, about the deadline or, uh, or just wanted to catch up with the, with the uh, linguist. So from Traduno, they do all of that from within the system. They don't need to go to their email client and send a separate email. Okay, so there is still this human to human interaction, right? But yeah. <coughs> excuse me, I like how you where, where it makes sense. Yeah, where it makes sense. I like how you differentiate though between emails generated from the system by the system and your ability to actually go in and send messages. So, I mean, all valid points. I would still personally just to provide the devil's advocate, you'll be the devil's advocate or provide the counterpoint to that. I would say that the more automation you implement into a system or a set of processes, the harder it is to maintain that human touch. I'm not saying it's impossible to all of your points, yeah. right? But it's harder. It, it, it's true. Uh, on a much bigger scale, almost as if uh, an LSP works like a factory or yeah. as a conveyor belt, then I agree, yes, if the workflows are very rigid and specific, then yeah, I would agree the human touch is a little bit um, limited. Here. Well, we, we, when we talk about conveyor belts and factories, we got to turn it over to the chief operating officer here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm going to agree. I think that there does come a point where where you have a level of no um, level of automation um and you do start to lose that human element although on the other side i would say that translation naturally retains some of that because when we have people translating there's always kind of query management there's always a discussion back and forth between the project manager and the linguist and then back to the client for clarification so in terms of kind of job offering and and some of those kind of standardized tasks that happen and like we say yeah kind of the factory the a b c d bit yes the automation is there and you lose a little bit of the human touch but the in between there's still that there's still a project manager there there's still somebody talking to a linguist yeah. um and i think you you still retain that certainly in the, the translation world um if we were to delve more into a, a different world of interpreting i'd say you can remove quite a lot of that but that's a, a completely different discussion point yeah and i think like in my opinion is you can remove the need for the human touch it doesn't it doesn't in and by itself technology doesn't in and by itself eliminate human touch it reduces the need for it yeah. i mean just think about email you don't have to get on the phone and call people anymore you can send them an email right mm -hmm. um now we're talking about you don't have to even email someone because you can send them a notification in a tbms right so it reduces the need for it it doesn't reduce the ability to maintain it and i think that's very project manager dependent and i think mature the best project managers are ones that realize tools like this are a tool and not the tool so it is a tool to help facilitate communication it is not the tool and i think the danger here is that younger project managers or project managers that their first job is my first job i had no such things it was i had an excel sheet if i was lucky an excel sheet in an outlook account right so i didn't have these tools so my default mode was reaching out and talking to translators and i think Junior project managers starting their career today, their default mode is clicking buttons in a tool. And I think it's, we'd be doing a disservice to them if we didn't also train them in that, yeah, and you can pick up the phone. And you should reach out to people. And you should foster relationships, not only with your clients, but with your, your linguists as well, um, if that makes sense. I, I would completely agree with that. And, and, you know, again, as a project manager myself, years ago, picking up the phone was the quickest way to get something done. Forging those relationships with, with, with suppliers, with linguists was, you know, it was a brilliant thing because you could, you could rely on them. You had that relationship. Yeah. If you've reached out to them because you had an urgent need, they would always respond because you'd built that. And I do think there is a, a tendency now, uh, yeah, like you say, younger people coming into the business and in sort of project management, 
that they've got a tool in front of them, they click a few buttons and it's done and there is a that sort of separate question about training people on building relationships and knowing that there's a person at the other end doing that piece of work and the same vice versa towards the client building those relationships with clients you know if you can build those you make your client more sticky you get more work from them so it's still important in this day and age to be able to build relationships and to, be able to speak to people yeah, that's, personally rather than sitting behind a, um, a system that's one of my my main things that i preach about and i do call it preaching because i come from a project manager background too and i think most project managers they're holding themselves back because they're not le learning basic account management skills or communication skills or things like that because a lot of project managers just want to push buttons they, they don't want to get out of their comfort zone. And if you're a project manager and you're listening to this, learn not just how to use the fancy new TBMS, but also learn how to write a good email, how to pick up the phone, all of that stuff. Well, I would say you should also learn the TBMS because the more they learn it, the more time they have to foster their relationships. With Says the product manager, of course. <laughs> Of course. I mean, but that's the prerequisite, right? Like you don't have a job if you don't know how to use the TBMS, yeah. right? That yeah. gets you but the you, re you remove, you remove the heavy lifting, you remove yep. the admin, and then you have the time to have those conversations rather than exactly. constantly just moving files from A to B to C to D. You've got the time to pick up the phone. And that's what we need to encourage people to do is to pick up the phone when they've got that time. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Uh, going back to chat here. Um, first of all, Excellent question, Melissa, for promoting that conversation. I appreciate that. Let's see what else we got here. Um, uh, and on the point of relationships and communication, what is your take on the increasing trend of introducing chatbots in the communication? All right, let's talk about that. But let's read this next question here too. Uh, can you touch on how long it takes to build a tool and how many developers are key versus how long it takes to integrate an existing TBMS and how many? All right, well, we're going to tackle that one next here. But quickly, chatbots. The increasing trend of introducing chatbots into the communication. I have opinions about this. Bots have their place, but very yeah. diplomatic. It, 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 they have, have their, their place. place, you know. Regular, regular queries in, in inquiries that come in. Um, is there something that can be answered by a chatbot easily? Because it's the same and it's standardized. I don't see a particular issue with that. It's the same as anything that we use for, you know, banking apps or anything like that. If it, if it helps, and personally, if I an issue with banking and I can sort it out quickly over a chatbot rather than ringing and sitting on the help desk waiting for someone to answer my call, that's what I'd like to do. But I, I don't know how much place they have in a, the world of translation just because there's not that many standardized queries, complexity to remove the ability for lots of chatbots. Yeah, when I when I see a TMS that's introducing a chatbot, not saying I'm right, but my gut instinct is gimmick, right? Like you're trying to ride the hype because I think it's easier today to implement an AI-driven chatbot than it ever has been for been before. So I think it's low-hanging fruit that people are just kind of once again. I think that's a marketing decision, not a product development decision. It's bolted on uh, without much utility behind it i like right. those chats who which contact me with the real person the first time i ask about it yeah Sometimes well, need something yeah but the chatbots i'm talking about are the ones i mean chatbots exist for a purpose it's to reduce customer support costs right if i can throw a chatbot in as my first line of defense and reduce my customer support calls by 20 percent, that's actual money that i'm saving so all right the next question uh was how long does it take to build a tool and how many developers are key versus how long it takes to integrate an existing TBMS and how many developers are needed there, perhaps? So it's kind of the build versus buy, because even when you buy, sometimes you got to build because you got to build integrations and customize stuff. So let's let's look at the, the other part, of the, the second part of the question. The first part already kind of answered. Uh, we started 10 years ago uh, with something small and we built on top of that and after 10 years we are ready to uh, show it to the world. However, we have been using Traduno internally for all of that, all, all, all this time. Uh, buy versus build. Um, I think Anna also addressed that. Um, if you have the means, if you have the financial uh, 
the budget for it, the talent for it, uh, and the time, then sure. Uh, also answer one question, what's the goal of it? Do you want to keep it internal? Do you want to turn it into a product? If so, which, uh, you know, what problems is it going to solve? So it's much more complex and it's not the question of, uh, you know, how, how big the developer's team should be, but rather what problems uh, are they going to solve and what outcomes are expected from it. If you do the market research for uh, existing TBMS, you find something that answers your needs. Uh, you find something that answers your needs more than other ones or the ones, the one that you already have, uh, there's always room for conversation because if uh, only like smaller things are needed, like smaller development is needed, uh, you can either handle it yourself or, you know, outsource it to, or ask the, uh, the TBMS provider if they're willing to do it. Maybe it's already in line with their vision. Um, when it comes to integration itself or to, or the deployment itself, uh, it, it, it's hard to say for now, but most of most important part is uh, whether you want to retain your historical data in the new system. Uh, this is always involved. In, this always involves uh, significant uh, human effort with mapping. Uh, the data sets needs to be need to be uh, matching each other. Um, I also believe that the cost of training uh, people in the new tool depends on uh, if the tool is uh, well designed and well thought through. It would be intuitive for a PM who saw a cut tool or a other TMS to start using it uh, almost straight away and then take a deep dive into all the options and uh, configurations as they go along. So to summarize, uh, part of the so to summarize it's complicated. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's multifaceted. There is no it's multifaceted. answer. Yeah, you yes. shouldn't have, there is no answer. You should have this amount, this number of developers, this number of product managers to build a, yeah. a, a TMS. And what I, to reiterate a point that you made, I wouldn't recommend that you people say, I want to build a tool. The better problem statement is, I want to solve this problem. And then maybe a tool is the best way to solve that problem. Maybe it's not, right? But I think a lot of people lose money when they decide to go into product development, especially people that aren't product developers and don't understand what that means. And they lose money because they're trying to build a tool they're not trying to solve a problem and tools are nothing but a way to solve a problem. So, well, I'm watching the clock here and we only got a couple minutes. So any, any closing thoughts, Anna, um, I'm going to turn it over to you. How can people find out more, uh, about Traduno? I've got your website queued up here, traduno.com. Um, can people schedule demos? Can they find out more? Are there webinars? Talk to me. Yeah, so definitely uh, our first um, or main point of contact would be our website. Uh, you can request a demo. Uh, we will get in touch to, to organize that. Uh, or you can uh, contact any of us on LinkedIn or you can write on, on Traduno's page on LinkedIn. So I, I think, um, yeah, anything. Uh, but probably website will be easiest way to, to get in touch with us. Very good. Anyone else have any closing thoughts before I start wrapping this up today? I think we covered a lot of ground, so that's fine. Not, not to put you on the spot. All right. I'll start wrapping us up today. Thank you so much. Uh, ladies, gentlemen, chat we are out of time for today if you enjoyed this episode of nimsy live then join us next time on tomorrow as i mentioned go to nimsy.com forward slash events and you can see all of the new nimsy live episodes that we're hosting i appreciate our guests today anna samara and radek i appreciate you the audience who are joining us live all of the dialogue and chat everybody who left comments questions and especially criticisms and 
I look forward to next time. Cheers.